Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway. Monday edition alongside Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. No Chad Withrow this week. He uh, he is he was on his way to Nebraska. He's arrived in Nebraska Whoa. for the uh, Christmas holiday. Merry Christmas to the Withrows and uh, to, to Angie's family there. A lot to get to today as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. PK is back from Pittsburgh where the Titans fall after multiple turnovers yet again. They hand the game over yet again, and the Steelers stay alive. And that's just scratching the surface of what uh, is a just a crazy NFL newsworthy day. We're going to hit as many topics as possible over the next three hours in an afternoon that is going to fly by. Paul, how was Pitt? There was some good football yesterday. None of it was played in Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, I like Pittsburgh. Uh, I like coming through the tunnel into the city, which explodes. It, it is it is much except, nicer in person than what I thought it would be. Except when I drove through that Very tunnel. Beautiful. Uh, when I drove through that tunnel at lunchtime on Saturday, it was foggy, so you couldn't see anything. You got the stadiums there. I mean, it's a really nice sports layout. Waited in line for 40 minutes uh, that afternoon for Pramani Brothers sandwich with my friend George Walker, the photographer from the Tennessean, and it was worth it. We sat at the bar there and. They took their time getting our sandwiches ready. We took our time. Um, I had a very interesting car. I had a Kia something or other. Okay. And it was uh, it was wet driving into Pittsburgh. And it was giving me little nudges. Uh, you know, maybe straightening the car out like a lane assist. Oh, it's got assist. like this. It's got, yeah, it's got the lane assist. But this was on. a very aggressive lane assist. This was not really a lane assist. This was like driving me like forcefully <laughs> I, I was i once i realized what it was doing then i put it to the test all right well how far are you gonna go i would steer it a little bit and it would then i kind of like was you know just had my hands at the ready and it was <laughs> i felt like i was a step short of a self-driving car i need to look it up and see how far it goes but i felt like if you would do some braking and gas i could do some texting here some reading I could get some things done. I thought it was very aggressive. I didn't really like it. I felt like it was... You just hop uh, in the back seat and go to work. Yeah, but I, I felt like it was Hal from 2001 in Space Oddity. Like it was taking it had you. taken control of my A life. mind of its own. Yeah. I said, hey, you want to go to the game tomorrow and write for me? I was in this car recently uh, where in the driver's seat, it like it vibrates if you are too far to the left or to the right with the lane. Like It, it doesn't self-correct. But it it beeps. like my car beeps. No, it like vibrates. I like the like vibration. A, like like a, I don't. Know, it, it's an assist in a way. Yeah. It's supposed to like jar you awake if you're starting to like doze off. That's good for me. I no longer put myself in situations where I would fall asleep, which means I don't drive much after 
Well, for David Reed, that would be not driving after dark. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, uh, not, and then not, I had four o'clock wake up call this morning for an early flight, which is uh, I'm not asking for your sympathies, but it, it's rough. And there'll be an early bedtime tonight comparable to David Reed with the games on, one of which will be over by the time we get home. Yeah, uh, Browns and Raiders uh, kicking off later this afternoon. I have a bet involving that I need to ask you about later. Okay, we'll, we'll chat about the Browns and Raiders. Vikings and Bears also coming up tonight. Two games to preview. Two more tomorrow as well we'll discuss. There are new NFL COVID-19 protocols that went into effect this morning. We'll detail that for you later in the show. But let's kick things off, Paul, with uh, we've got some upsets across the league to discuss. Let's start, though, with Pittsburgh. The Steelers stay alive. The AFC North is crazy right now. Currently, the Bengals are leading the division. If the Browns win today, they take over the lead. They would jump into the postseason. They, they're Right now, they're in ninth. They could jump all the way to fifth, I believe, is where they could end up uh, based on the playoff scenario. So it, it's quite the uh, adjustment for them. Uh, meanwhile, you've got the Steelers, who are somehow winning games they have no business winning. And yesterday is a prime example. They, they, their offense is terrible. Their defense can get after it, but they, they gave up a ton of yards on the ground. Uh, and the Titans, yet again, rushed for 200-plus and can't seal the deal because they can't hang on to the football. Yeah, it's really remarkable that the Titans... Last week, when the Titans beat the Jaguars... We said, hey, this this Titans team was smart enough to let a bad team sit back and make a bunch of mistakes and turn the ball over four times. Well, the Steelers sat back and let a bad team make a bunch of mistakes, and the Titans turned the ball over four times. And I didn't think any of them were like terrific play. These these were more giveaways than takeaways. I agree. Right? Handed the, it to the, them. the Titans, in their three losses in the last five weeks, they had a bye week in there. Losing to Houston, losing at New England, and losing at Pittsburgh have given the ball away 13 times, taken the ball away zero times. You cannot win football games that way. And Mike Vrabel didn't like the question at all, but I said, is the messaging getting through? Because they're hammering on this, hammering on this, and guys simply are not getting it. So uh, Ryan Tannehill defended the messaging, uh, Mike Vrabel, you know, sloughed off my question. But I say, if it's not the messaging, it's not the opponents. Houston, New England, and Pittsburgh have no great affinity for uh, stripping and and taking fumbles. Um, is there some pressing involved there? I think certainly from Ryan Tannehill there is. And I think a major ingredient here are some of the guys who are coughing the ball up. Racy McMath, it was fluky, his fumble. But it's also a guy with very little experience trying to do a little extra at the end of a play when the journey's over. Coaches talk about that. Who probably should have accepted that the journey's over. Anthony Ferkser, who's been a major disappointment, you know, who doesn't. Th- these Titans lately have not felt the defender coming. They turn and run upfield and they think, oh, nothing could come from the side or behind me. Only what I see in front of me is a danger. And a guy gets a hand on the ball from the side, and it comes flying out. It's, it, they look so bad that anybody right now would be happy to draw them in the playoffs. Paul, to me right now, the Titans are an eye roll because the obvious, the obvious uh, as, a, as a pro in the league, if you're playing offense, you protect the football, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm thinking 
it's like oh, as as a pro, you're expected to show up to training camp in shape. The, the coaches, givens. These are it's givens. a given. The coaches aren't having to preach that week after week. Hey, make sure you stay in shape. Make sure you hit the weight room. Make sure you do this, 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 this. It it, go, it goes without saying. You want to protect the football, and Vrabel and his staff are having. They're 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 giving. They're delivering a a weekly sermon, a daily sermon on the mound. That's a pee wee conversation for for yes. And and for whatever reason, it is not getting through. the 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 message is not getting through to his team because you're right. They they've turned the football over thirteen times over the last four weeks. Or some of them are just not capable and of executing the message. I, 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 I mean, mean, I guess that I guess that's part of it, uh, and that's why some of these guys have been out of the league or were available to this team. But they, they've been extremely productive running the football, and they just hand these games over. They were controlling the game. They should have been up you know, 14 points instead of 10 uh, at the half. Uh, if you go back and, and watch the way that game uh, played out, and they, just, they, put, they, they handed the football to Pittsburgh in scoring territory, in Pittsburgh territory, and the Steelers didn't have to do anything but kick field goals. Excellent defense. They actually got a boost from special teams. The only time the Titans scored yesterday was on a 55-yard punt return from Chester Rogers that set them up for a 25-yard drive to go get in the end zone. It, it, the offense is pathetic, and they're so bad that they can't get out of their own way by just hanging on to the football. It, yeah. sa- it sounds like such a simple concept to me that no, knowing Vrabel and knowing the staff and the mentality that they bring, the idea that three of the last four weeks – have just been handed on a platter, on a silver platter to these teams they've been facing, has to be mind-numbing and maddening to him. Well, the other teams who have given the ball away at the rate the Titans have, Titans have given away now 25 times, all right? But they've only taken it away 18 times. So Kansas City's given it away 25 times, but they've also taken it away 25 times. They've got a net of zero. Miami's given it away 23 times. They've taken it away 21 times. The other teams that have given it away at this rate, the Jets – 26 Jacksonville 25 you know unless you're doing a great job taking it away and canceling it out if you've got numbers like this you're a bad football team and the Titans right now in these three losses with the Jaguars in the middle there um are are a really bad football team Julio Jones was back he didn't do anything. They had one, the first play of the game was drawn up for him. Tannehill gets sacked. So then they say, "Well, we can't do anything with Julio Jones." They throw to him one time in the first half, which was really kind of a throwaway in the end zone that he didn't have a chance to, right. to collect. And then we don't see him again. And then it comes out early in the second half that he's out of the game with the hamstring again, which nobody's surprised by. Which means at times in the second half, they had. Nick Westbrook-Akina, who's a great special teamer and a nice guy to have as a fourth receiver at times. Nick Westbrook-Akina, Racy McMath, a sixth-round draft pick who played very little receiver at LSU and who two weeks ago ended a seven-game stay on IR. And Cody Hollister, who's been bouncing around on their practice squad and whatever, is not an NFL talent as their top three wide receivers. The, the Steelers continue to load the box. The Titans, God bless them. The one thing they can do is run the football. But they, this is the second time they've run for 200 yards since Derrick Henry's been out, and it doesn't mean anything. Not a thing. Because they lost both games. And not, not you know, in, in, a, in a way that felt very convincing. But the Titans, is so 
the the question I've been asking in these recent weeks are: Is this just a blip on the radar, or is this now the trend of who the Titans are? And when you do this three of the last four, and the one game you don't do it against is Jacksonville, to me it's a trend, and it's more about who you are becoming than it just being some freak little trend that you're going to get over magically. Because they're not just... Uh, A.J. Brown is is potentially back this week, although it's a short week. They're about to host San Francisco on Thursday night. Uh, but other than that, they're not getting tremendously healthy unless they get Derrick Henry back in the postseason. And we'll get into A.J. Brown's importance to this roster coming up later in the show. Point being, Paul, this is becoming more of an identity of what to expect than something that you just snap your fingers and say, they're going to overcome this. Because uh, I, I think if we describe the New England Patriots right now, the New England Patriots who turned the football over quite a bit and had mistakes and penalties and mishaps against Indianapolis, lost that game against Indy on Saturday night of their own undoing and still had a chance to come back and win. This Titans team is losing at a, at a, at a rate of turnovers that you can't help but think this is more of a trend than it is just a blip like I feel the Patriots are probably going through right now. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the Titans defensively are surviving their injuries, right? Zach Cunningham played well in base. Started the game. Played well in base. Looks the part, by the way. Longer, taller than everybody. Um, He's the biggest backer they have And so Jayon Brown was only playing nickel. They could really use David Long back, but they're playing good defense without him. They're playing good defense without Tier Tart. Um, you know, they're playing good defense without Jack Rabbit Jenkins, uh, with Buster Screen playing two good games in a row. Defensively, they're recovering from the guys that they're missing. Offensively, would you like to have Roger Saffold? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But now you're down to really talking about Henry, who we all know the clock is, uh, uh, you know, at least a few weeks off at the on the best case scenario, which uh, I'm not expecting. I think you're with me on that. Right. The best case scenario, and AJ Brown, and so now you're putting a lot on AJ Brown. Can AJ Brown transform this offense? Dictate the double coverage, get some separation, get some yards after the catch. I know you've got some numbers on that for later, and uh, and put everybody back in something akin to a rightful slot. I think we're basically done with the idea of having. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the field together, healthy at the same time. Anything you get from Julio Jones now is gravy. Get A.J. Brown out there. Let's uh, let Nick Westbrook Aquina at least be a number two. He's functioning as a damn number one I yesterday. I know. And uh, and and go from there. Golden Tate's on the practice squad, and they didn't activate him for this game. If you're not activating for this game, and now you do it even A.J. for Julio swap, I don't know what he's doing. You know, I think it's more about what somebody else isn't doing if he emerges here. But I think the whole thing's on A.J. Brown. How you feeling, buddy? And are you ready? And can you and Ryan Tannehill get back in rhythm? Can Tannehill kind of step back and take himself out of all this bad stuff that's happened and reset and say, all right, I'm back in my comfort zone with A.J. Brown present here. We're running the ball well, even without it being Derrick Henry. And the Titans, to their credit, at least took a couple deep shots that sent a message that like, hey, we're actually capable of blocking things up once in a while and threatening you deep. Now they got to hit a couple of those. you got to have chunk plays to win in today's NFL, I think. Very hard to win 
like the Titans tried to win. The Steelers passing game and the Titans passing game, very similar yesterday. Titans at least could run it. But the Steelers threatened no one, and the Titans now threatened no one at the passing game. They held, they held Najee Harris to 18 yards rushing yesterday. I mean, he was zero threat zero running the fact. football. Uh, passing the football, the, the fans in Pittsburgh are ready to boo this team out of Heinz Field. And the Titans and Anthony Ferkser with that fumble started to get momentum rolling downhill for Pittsburgh when nothing was going in their favor in that first half. Full control, and then Pittsburgh takes over and took advantage of every turnover by putting points on the board. Not touchdowns, but field goals. But yesterday, that's all you need. If you score 17 to 20 points, right now, it's good enough to beat the Tennessee Titans. The Titans, though, are a lot like many teams in the AFC. Aside from Kansas City, I'm not sure who you would put your money on right now to be consistent. Uh, New England's got the rookie quarterback, and then beyond that, you've got the Titans who are leading the division that play the way they did yesterday. The AFC North could be led by the Cleveland Browns after today's game against Vegas if they win. I said five seed. They'd be the four seed if they win over the Raiders. Consider how back and forth that division has been. You mentioned the Colts. Um, and, And to the NFC... Better teams top to bottom in the NFC, but still a lot of uncertainty. We're going to go through the really results. really is a, a weekly it's bias right open. now. The Packers are the one team that feels like it emerged. Just one thing about Heinz Field, they have uh, little placards that they give out, I guess, or that you can buy or whatever. A lot of little kids holding up, this is my first game. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a gold placard with black writing. And a lot of people holding up, I came here from. You know, and I saw I came here from California. I came here from Massachusetts. I came here from Denmark. And as the Titans finished, I'm thinking of this now. I wish I'd used this in what I wrote from the game. Thursday night's going to be a hot ticket, I would think, in town, kind of as part of the holiday weekend and everything. Yeah. But I was picturing empty seats based on the way this team's playing that said, I didn't come here. <laughs> Seat occupied normally by. Yeah. Normally, I come here from Cookville, <laughs> but not tonight. And so, or I, I purchased, a 49ers fan could hold up the sign, I purchased this seat from. <laughs> a guy who usually comes here from Nashville. 49ers, uh, one of those teams are going to recap coming up because they continue to win. They beat the Falcons yesterday. The Falcons drove inside the opponent's 10-yard line three times and came away with zero points on those possessions. There's got to be a world record going on now because of all the fourth down attempts of people getting into the low red zone, coming away with nothing. We'll discuss that. We've got uh, the Lions surprising everyone, shocking everyone. Maybe the, the biggest upset of the season. I'll still take the Jaguars in that 9-6 over Buffalo, but this but, is number two. Oh, well, well, I think we should discuss that because we know what Buffalo is right now. But back then, they were something different. And Arizona was playing just at a completely different pace. I mean, at times, Arizona... And the Rams, when they were playing last week, I, I sent you a text. I said, "This they look like they're playing in a different league right yeah, with now. The receiving and then weapons. they show up to Detroit and just could get nothing going. We'll discuss the Lions and, and that upset. Brady is shut out at home for the first time in his career, just the third time in his career ever, by the New Orleans Saints. The, the Bucks have some issues with several injuries on offense now moving forward. Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, they beat the Ravens. Harbaugh goes for two again and fails with Tyler Huntley at quarterback. Look a, good. a lot to discuss from week 15 across the NFL. 
as week 15 continues. We're here to break it down with you on Outkick 360. Bad news for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Welcome back to Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Chris Godwin out for the season with a torn ACL. Killer. That coming from uh, Ian Rappaport, among others. Um, So Godwin's out. Mike Evans left last night's game with a hamstring issue. Same goes for Leonard Fournette. And we saw what Brady was left with. Scotty Miller was one of the top wideout options. He still has Gronk. But not much uh, remaining there, especially if if Evans is going to miss some critical time with the hamstring issue. We know that that could vary uh, depending on the significance and 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 the harshness of that of that hamstring uh, strain. But you know we've seen years where Brady has lifted the talent around him in New England, and if he's able to do that over the next couple of weeks. Although Rodgers is leading the MVP race after what he's been doing over the last four weeks, if Brady lifts and raises the uh, the, the tide rises with him, watch out because he's on he's on course for for getting a lot of votes just based on that alone. I think it's Rodgers' award to lose now. The thing about Brady and these lesser receivers and him raising them, he's worked with them in practice, sure, but Blaine Gabbert's gotten most of the work with this second tier group. And it's late in the season for him to get up to speed, up to full speed with those guys. Um, so it's a harder task than it's often been. By the way, Brady last night, frustrated, understandably. I expect him to handle it better, quite frankly. And when he walks up to a coach on the other bench and uh, drops a couple curses in his face, if a guy standing at midfield looking at a bench – is uh, taunting, that's taunting. Where's the flag? I mean, he's he's 40 yards closer. He's saying it to him here. I don't care if he's multiple-time MVP, multiple Super Bowl winner. Enforce the, the standard. Well, I don't like the standard, not, but you've created the standard. Well, that's not that's not part of the penalty. Uh, and how do I know that? I, I saw it firsthand Saturday night. Carson Wentz and, and Darius Leonard came off the sideline and got into it with uh, one of the Patriots defenders. This was right after the fourth down stop, and they're about to attempt a field goal. And a Patriots defender, I can't forgive me for not remembering who it was, one of the linebackers. No, it was one of the pass rushers. It was Judon. Judon came over to the sideline in front of Wentz, and they went face-to-face and got after it right after they uh, Wentz got kicked off the field. Now, there was a uh, encroachment play. encroachment on the – this was right after the third down stop, and they were about to attempt a field goal. And there was an offsides penalty or something that allowed uh, Indianapolis to keep the football, so Wentz came back onto the field. And this was while Wentz went to the sideline. Judon went over and got in his face, and there was no penalty. Yeah, well, Judon's another prime name. What was the guy's name? Cassius Marsh? Cassius Marsh. Not a prime name. It's it's unequal enforcement. That's BS. I mean, if your thing is you don't want kids, and this is part of the trickle down, right? This is what they tell us. We don't want kids. We don't want to drive down the street and see a little league football field and see kids behaving this way. Well, Tom Brady's actions yesterday, I'm not saying I'm, I'm on board with this, but based on what they say, what he did was exactly the kind of thing they're trying to stop. Getting in a coach's yeah. face on the opposite sideline and cursing him out, that should be an automatic flag based on the standard they've set. 
And so here they are not applying applying the same standard to the superstar as to the scrub. No, what this is, they're not, it's not, I don't think it comes down to that. I think it comes down to this is the NFL who behind the scenes has told their officials pipe down on the penalties because it's, it's pissing people off. Well, I mean, they did that with offensive holding a couple of years ago. And leading with the head. And leading, every they, penalty that they, they is a point of emphasis it, that it, gets over it can, it can slowly go away easily based on uh, how they want to officiate these games. And if they're really worried about sportsmanship, they tamp down all the cussing that goes on with the uh, head coaches and officials that's shown on national TV and local broadcast week after week after week. That's that is a bunch of BS. He came that, across that like a baby last night. I thought for a guy who's lost big games before and knows how to handle things. I know he hasn't been shut out very often. I thought he he could have done a lot. Yeah, I'd rather have that, that than you know Cam Newton laughing on the sideline after. Oh, a I, I would too. I, I like that he cares obviously and stuff, but um, you know, deal with it. That's a hell of a performance by the Saints. Unbelievable. They don't want the Saints in the playoffs. I know they beat them in the playoffs last year. Saints obviously have them uh, dialed up just in a fantastic way. Um, that's with the replacement coach. Sean Payton, you know, told him, don't think about what Replacement I would coaches do. have had a great success yes, rate this year. unbelievable. I think last year when these coaches, we've hit on this a little bit, last year when every coach in the league had to come up with a replacement strategy because it became a very real possibility that you could miss a game because of the COVID stuff, it looks like these guys did a hell of a job setting setting up it does. what would happen if I'm not here. And all of these replacement scenarios have gone quite well. I can't think of one that was an absolute bomb by any I, means. We, we've never come in here on a Monday and said, oh, my God, can you believe how dysfunctional that team was, I, how they didn't communicate, all the delays they got and all of that. None of that. No. I, you know, and uh, some of the bigger success stories have been with former head coaches. We saw Dan Quinn in Dallas. The most recent one is uh, recency bias for me, but Dennis Allen. They, they were terrific you know, they, last night. Uh, I hate the Saints. I, I think they're – I don't get the quarterback thing or, or any of it, but they played a stellar, stellar game last night, and the Bucks just don't know how to handle it. It's really funny that they have such a a, uh, a poisonous rival <laughs> that they just can't they figure can't out. Beat no, they, they beat them in the biggest game last year. Everybody forgets that. They beat them on the way to the playoffs. So they'd trade that. For, for all these losses. but And I don't think the Saints are getting into the playoffs. So how about this? Uh, the Bucks' last three losses, okay? The quarterbacks that they faced. Trevor Simeon beat them. Taylor Heineke beat them. And Taysom Hill. Those three are the... Uh, someone tweeted out uh, last night's the holy trinity of, of scrub quarterbacks yeah. that have that have taken down the Bucks. Um Week one, the Saints held Aaron Rodgers without a touchdown, and then they just shut out the Bucks last night. That's quite the defense in New Orleans. And, and we've said all along, they are driven by their defense. If their defense shows up, they can go toe-to-toe with literally anybody because you need about 17 points to win if their defense is on the way they were last night. Uh, and some of that has to do with the offensive weapons. Some of his, uh, and I think the large majority of it was what the Saints did to Brady. I, I, I was thoroughly impressed with their front and how they got a lot of pressure, especially up the middle. You know that that's the key. Can you pressure him and get him off the spot in the middle of his passing game? Yeah, the one ball he threw moving to his right, uh, the pick to the to the guy who got into his face earlier was just a really bad 
throw with a with a corner setting up. I got three great notes on this game that I stole. I know you've got a bunch as well. Brady, Brady and Joe Montana, the only two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era to get shut out as double digit favorites. Montana did it in his second and final season with the Chiefs in 1994, 16 nothing loss to the Rams when he was favored to win by 14 and a half. But that is late career Joe Montana. I mean, he was done. Brady yeah. is, is hardly done. According to NBC. Which is great. We still like, we. you could say that, and I don't bat an eye at it, but then I catch myself not even reacting. Yeah, well, You're Brady's like, older he's far he from was. done. He's 43, far right. from But done. I mean, he won the Super Bowl last no, year. I know, I know. Montana I know. wasn't that close. According to NBC, it's the first time since the merger that the team leading the NFL in scoring was shut out at home in December or January. Wow. First time wow. ever. That makes it really impressive. And the Saints could still easily miss the playoffs after going 4-0 and against the Packers, the Patriots, and the Bucks. That's what happens when you get owned by Sam Darnold and the Panthers and Daniel Jones and the Giants. So, so talk about, you know, they beat the best and then they lose to the worst. The, 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 the last time Brady was shut out at all, he was 29 years old, and there's not one single player in the NFL playing defense that was in the league yet. That's how long it's been since he's been shut out. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I mean, you think, that, you think it, I mean, I'm sure there's some games where they've only gotten, you know, a handful of field goals, but still, I mean, it, it does what, what the Saints did last night. That might be more shocking than what the Lions did because I'm, I'm a bit higher on the Lions than the average person. Uh, they're terrible. You're also higher on the Cardinals, though. So yeah. you must have really yeah, taken I, that hard. I, 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 watching that game. Um, Cardinals peaked too soon. They, yeah, they may have. <clears throat> I, Kyler Murray, uh, I don't know if he can play a worse game than what he did yesterday. His, his play kind of defined the entire team. They, they showed up, and I was watching Red Zone yesterday. For Titans road games now, I just pop on Red Zone. And, uh, and then I keep tabs on another TV of the Titans. And I'm watching Red Zone, and every time they would flip to these games, it just looked like Arizona was in a fog, like in a haze. And the thing about Detroit that I appreciate, despite how bad they are, is they play, as terrible as they are, they play with a little piss and vinegar in their game. You don't see that from Houston or Jacksonville. No. Like, it's a certainty. You're not getting anything from those teams. Detroit's going to box you a little bit, right? They're, they're not going to deliver that much. They've got Jared Goff at quarterback. Uh, they're a disaster at running back right now because they were hit hard by COVID. Swift's not playing due to injury. Point being, they show up and, and they take on the mentality of their head coach. And I don't agree with everything Dan, uh, that Campbell's a part of but and what he's saying about the, the knee biters and all that stuff. But there's but an energy there to is it. A, there is a mentality to it, an aggressiveness to their game. And they played their best game of the season, which paired with Arizona's absolute worst performance of the season. And what that shows us is that ends up being not even a close game. I mean, this was not some blowout. fluke where they turn the football over and Detroit scores and then they get that, on, that onside kick and then they, they win the game on a 60-yard field goal in the Dome. This was, this was a beatdown. This was not close. And I think it also shows what a lot of people are We're talking about behind the scenes and what maybe some people were saying once postseason would roll around is that Arizona, top to bottom for the most part, is a very young football team. They've been together. They as brought a, in veteran leadership. Some of yeah. it's hurt, though. DeAndre yeah. Hopkins Watts is hurt. on the sideline. Watts out for the year. 
they've got the veteran nucleus, but for the most part, their nucleus is about three years old. Like they've been together with Kingsbury for three years together, uh, starting with Murray. Which isn't that bad this and, day and age. No, it's not I mean, bad. Teams are getting older faster. What I would together. describe Arizona the way I expect Cincinnati to be next year. Yes, like they're they should be. Cincinnati should come together like like Arizona did this year. So the question is, is Arizona ready, truly ready for the postseason grind where you have to win to get to the Super Bowl? Most of the time you have to win multiple ways. You know, the defense has to pitch some unbelievable performance against one of the best players in the league, followed by an offense that wins in a back and forth fast break shootout, followed by a field goal, you know, nail biter. And then that puts you into the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if Arizona's prepared for that. I, Last yesterday's loss puts them out of of hosting uh, throughout the postseason. Well, here's what happens: it, it does LA away, it wins, does away with the the first round bye. Like if that's going to go through Green Bay tomorrow now. night. LA's in first place in the division on right, conference right. tiebreaker, and then Arizona finishes Indianapolis on Christmas Day, at Dallas, Seattle at home. Those are two out of three. Pretty tough. Dallas is very unpredictable right now. Indianapolis playing as well as anybody in the league. They haven't faced a lot of adversity yet this year. So this is the big test for Arizona. Can it push back against this or not? Without DeAndre Hopkins, who's out for the rest of the year. AJ Green did did some things, but uh, big test for them now. And the Rams, who we all shoveled dirt on, um, have a chance. They're, they're hosting Seattle. Seattle's bad. The Rams should go out tomorrow night and take care of business. How about, now they've got COVID stuff. Yes, they do. Um, and and more team. We'll get to some of the new rules with that. But more teams are getting some pops today, even with the new protocols. We'll explain that. Uh, going back to Arizona briefly, they were zero for four in the red zone against Detroit. That's not going to be something that's going to reoccur as they continue the season. Like I they're not, too good to let that happen again. But what yesterday shows is they are capable of showing up and not being ready to go, starting at their quarterback position. I am not anti-analytics. I don't think this is a, a black or white, all or nothing issue. I am 0 for 4 in the red zone. I'm anti 0 for 4 in the red zone. I'm anti losing two out of three games on two-point conversions at the end of the game. Now, I understand each one has its own percentage. But if you miss two of two on that and you lose two games you're Baltimore and you're screwed let's get let's discuss Baltimore coming up because last week and this week they they lose based on the same situation although the circumstances to me are way different with I agree the way they faced last week going for two and the win versus yes, Rodgers was going to get the football back with about 45 seconds to go. There, there are pros and cons to that. And Harbaugh, while he's going to point to the numbers, the numbers were actually against him going for two. Yesterday? Yesterday. And I mean, he did it anyway based on a gut feeling. And he, to, to his credit, he, he said the same thing last week where he said it's more of a gut than it is numbers, but we go and pour and comb through these numbers. He also cited the numbers, though. Yeah, he's citing numbers because he's 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 bouncing things off of his analytics crew, and and he weighs the pros and cons, and they, they lean analytics in Baltimore. 
But even yesterday, he was leaning more gut feeling because the numbers didn't support him. At least that's what the numbers guys say. And I'll, I'll explain why they didn't support him coming up. Uh, we'll, we'll talk Packers because Aaron Rodgers right now, the, the pace he's on, keep in mind, Rodgers is compared to himself. He is compared to Brady and Brady's compared to him. But ultimately, they raise the bar every year and they're compared to the previous year of what they've already accomplished. And what he's doing right now is remarkable. Outkick 360 rolls on. Over the last four games, Aaron Rodgers has thrown 13 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. He has thrown just one interception over the last eight games. Welcome back to Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. That's where we'll start in our recap of Packers and Ravens. Because Rodgers is on a pace where he's thrown for over 1,300 yards over his last four games. His quarterback rating is somewhere around 127 or 128. Um, again, he's not turning the football over. He's thrown only four picks all year. And when you consider like the, the excuse-making that we hear, hear locally about Tannehill's picks or what was going on with Mahomes earlier in the year and the excuses being made there where, oh, not every interception's on the quarterback. This dude doesn't throw any. It is remarkable when you look around the league and Mahomes has 13 and Brady's thrown 11 and Mac Jones has thrown 10. Tannehill's thrown 17. He's tied for the NFL lead. And, and Rodgers has only thrown four. But beyond that, Paul, his command of the offense and how nothing seems to rattle him and how he gets them seemingly always into the right play. And he's not always over-reliant on the pass game. They can turn around and run it just as well. This is an offense that... It's hard to say. They're better than they were last year. Rodgers is better than he was last year when he won MVP. And that's what's so great about him right now is you have to compare him to what he did last year. It's tough to compare him to anyone else. Only three games left for for everybody now. We've got four games left this week. But the Packers play Cleveland at home, Minnesota at home, at Detroit. All games that, the, you know, they... No intimidating foes on there. Not not saying they can't drop one there. They're in control of the NFC right now. The NFC championship runs through Lambeau, which is how you want it. They blew it last year. He's playing, as you say, as as well as you can play. I, I think Packers fans, if they haven't shifted already, uh, should be shifted into the moat. It, it's all or nothing for that team now. And yeah. Anything short of uh, not just a trip to, to SoFi Stadium, but a win at SoFi Stadium is going to be a huge disappointment. It, it, this is the best team in the league right now. It's a week-to-week thing, I understand. But we've been waiting for one team to kind of leak out of the group. This is the team that has done that, that has been the most consistent. And surprise, surprise, it's the team with the best quarterback. And they're not even completely healthy yet. They're at, about to get back to Bakhtiari back. Uh, I think they were down both tackles at one point yesterday. Yeah, Um, they've withstood their injuries, and uh, just getting a premier tackle back is is massive for him, for Aaron Jones, uh, and and the run game. Um, Yeah, what if they won now? Uh, Three in a row. I mean, they... they, They've won four. Four in a row. I I think that they are... uh, They should be the favorites on FanDuel. By the way... Cash your bets. 
Packers and uh, Ravens highest scoring game on Sunday. Is somebody well told. done? Well done. Um, I didn't expect <laughs> a, a sixty. is great. I didn't expect when Huntley played for. I, I, I have, thought the how Packers did he go undrafted? I don't know. He's excellent, and they found themselves a great situation because he's not Lamar Jackson, obviously, but he's got enough similarity to Lamar Jackson that they don't have to toss half of their playbook out. And he's not looks only like that, a very Paul, strong player. He's going to start in this league some point. Oh, I think so. I mean, I think his contract expires after this year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, he's sitting pretty, if that's true. And and they don't. Not only can he run the offense, they're just as confident in him on a two point conversion as they are with Lamar Jackson with the game on the line. And let me hit on the 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 two point conversion yesterday. There, both of their safeties were out. Uh, COVID hit the Ravens hard. Uh, so it's beyond just Marlon Humphreys being done for the year. Marcus Peters, who was already out. The only true starter that started the game for Baltimore was their nickel corner. And I believe he went down at some point during the game yesterday. I mean, they're just decimated in the secondary and they're facing Aaron Rodgers. I understand why you don't want to go into overtime with Aaron Rodgers. But here's why the numbers were not with him on the probability of just kicking it versus going for two yesterday. I believe there was like an 11% or 13% better chance of winning if they kick the extra point and tie it instead of win it with the two-point conversion. And the reason for that is time had not expired. There was like 43 seconds left, something like that. And what kind of timeout situation? Do we I need? think Rodgers had one or two. And they, he so was getting the ball back. Kick a field goal. Yeah, so a two-point conversion puts you up by one and you kick a field goal and still lose in regulation. So you can lose twice there's a 75% chance that on the next possession you lose because it's either going to be um, Mason, uh, you know, Mason it, Crosby. It's Mason Crosby, or you lose the toss, which is a 50-50 proposition, and Rodgers gets the football back on back-to-back Multiple possessions. Multiple scenarios for you to so lose I, there. I, I, if I, I if get there was it. no time on the clock, if you were down inside 15 seconds or something like that, it's a whole different deal. Yeah, and they, they also, if they're going to continue this, they have to come up with some better plays. Because that, that was a difficult play designed for Huntley, who's rolling to his right, trying to find Andrews. Everyone know, knows that they're looking for Andrews in this offense. Hollywood Brown was open, by the way, in the back of the end zone. But again, you're asking a backup to set his feet and turn as he's rolling right, running out of space, and turn back. Uh, point being, difficult play call for him. Difficult play call for Lamar Jackson to execute in, a, in the window that he had to get it to. And... They're like two for eight now on two-point conversions on the season. Get some better plays going yeah. if you're going to go for it this as often. As soon as he rolls, a lot of great illustration of the safety who sees. Like, hey, the only thing they could be doing here is going to Andrews. And he gets his butt over there and gets a hand on the ball. He doesn't change the trajectory enough. But you know, in tight quarters, the ball is only – a yard, a yard and a half from Andrews when he touches it, and yep. you, you cause that ball to flutter. Guy's not going to catch it unless he makes an incredible play at that point. Safety made a terrific play. Harbaugh gave him credit, too. That's great. You give him credit. But the play design allows too easily for that safety to come zipping over there and make that play. So I'm listening to Harbaugh praise the safety for making that play, but I'm thinking the design of your play allows that guy to make that great play. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I think I think this off season really needs to include a lot of these coaches uh, spend a lot of time on two point conversions, and we need kind of a revol- revolution 
in terms of two-point conversion creativity um, because we've seen a lot of crucial ones go by the wayside. And again, I just think that this analytics fight that's still going on is really it needs to evolve into a thing where, look, it can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. The decision needs a little bit of gut in it on top of straight numbers. But um, and you're you know, at I home heard some yesterday. guys in Pittsburgh, you know, just bitching out uh, the, the decision, you know, the old school guys. If you're old, you hate analytics. It's, it, I mean, you got to hear it out. Yeah, you, there's no conversation. You're either pro or con. And you can't be in the middle with this. There, there's no middle Damn. ground when it comes to the numbers and mathematics Come to of the, the NFL right now. Come to the middle. Uh, we'll try to go through the mathematics of the AFC North, which is very difficult to figure out. Cleveland can be on top of the division with a win. They kick off in an hour. We'll preview that game next. We'll now kick 360.